This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. interviews Deborah Christie Love. She is the author of There Is Love, My Near-Death Experience and Beyond. A near-death experience at a young age began Deborah's awakened spiritual journey. Deborah tunes into energy fields and spirit for messages that will assist you in your daily life. Deborah lives with husband, author David Shepard Love in Arizona. Deborah shares spiritual insights in her client readings and empowers others to be happy, healthy, and free within themselves. Deborah is a certified hypnotist and past life regressionist. Deborah is also a quantum touch practitioner and Reiki master teacher. Deborah enjoys creating art and music. Her music and song album, Love Will Find a Way, is available where music downloads are available. Meet Deborah at mysticmuseonline.com. Here is the interview with Deborah Christie Love. words. Who is Deborah Christie Love? Wow, that's a big question. I feel like I'm an everyday person. Like everyone, I feel we, we all have the same potential and we all are different because that's the way it's supposed to be. So for me, I enjoy certain things. I live a certain place. Uh, I'm with with my husband here in Arizona at the moment. And we just, just moved here from uh, Ontario, actually where we were, well, David was with me for the last uh, 10 years up there. And, and now, now we're here, here, where he is from Tucson, actually. And we are opening a business here. And so we have a little shop. And so I like to do past life regressions, reading my book. Um, I'm working on another one. And so all these things are part of who I am. I'm also a mother of three grown children. So yeah, we have many facets to ourselves. Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, There is Love, My Near-Death Experience and Beyond, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. The first one is, what and where is heaven? You know, that's such a huge question. I think that for me, everything is energy. It can be a dimension within ourselves. 
I don't know that it's a place and I don't know that time and place in ultimate reality exist. I think that heaven can be here. It's where we are right now if we choose that. You know, I feel that where we vibrate, our level of vibration is where we resonate and we attract like-minded people to us. And it's the same when we when we cross over. I, I believe we go where we resonate to. We go to our level of comfort and we attract the people that we've loved in our lives. What is life? What is this here? <laughs> well, to me, life is everything. Life, there is. To me, there isn't really anything that isn't life. As I said, everything is energy and energy doesn't die. So there, there is only life, even inanimate objects. Really, science is proving now, you know, on a molecular level, everything is spinning and moving. There's electrons and protons moving and spinning around. And there's really more empty space than there is what we call solid matter. So science is really caught up to the fact that everything is life and everything is energy. And with that comes consciousness. Everything is consciousness as well, because where there is life and spinning, there is consciousness behind that. What is that other reality, realm? If everything's energy, everything's one thing, why is there so many different kinds of existence? In my opinion, it's because everything resonates at a certain frequency. And the higher frequency I feel, the more love there is, the more positive things become. You know, there's really only positive and, and negative. You know, we can go from where we are, we can go higher or lower in vibration. And I think that is what defines where we're at at any given time and what we're attracting into our life. And it's kind of a moment to moment decision and reality that's always changing. So do you think we have control over these states of mind or states of being? We do have more than we think, than a lot of people think. We do have to work on that and control, be the observer of our thoughts and choose which ones we allow to Uh, take hold because they keep attracting more like thoughts. So if we're on a downward spiral and we want off, we have to be the conscious observer and go, wait a minute, I'm not liking this. I have to think on something better and more positive. And that's how we we control where we're going, which direction we're on. And we can do that at all times. We forget that because we get caught up in the moment. We get caught up in the, I guess, the, the spiral effect or the... Um, momentum of where we're at or where we're headed, but we can change that if we stop and think about it. Do you think it takes healing to live life this way and this uh, position of choosing consciously? To consciously choose, it does. I think it, it takes uh, awareness and that's where certain levels come in. We don't seem to really gain awareness until a certain level is reached in our own consciousness. And I see it changing throughout the world now. I see many more people waking up, so to speak, and being more conscious and being more aware of the control they have within their own mind and within their own thought patterns. So you're seeing this happening now. Why now? I think things have gotten to a point where they just had to change. They were either going to keep getting worse or they were going to get better. And enough people decided, okay, enough is enough. We need to work on making this a better place to be. This 3D reality needs to be a happier, freer, 
a more joyful place to be. We're just tired of being tired of working too hard and being miserable here. I like that. Uh, this idea of being tired of being tired. <laughs> I'm sure challenges play a role, right? Those uh, shifts of consciousness. They do. And I think we all have our own point where we decide to to work on that. It's kind of individual for each of us. But we all get to that point where we just are pushed into it or circumstances push us into it. And we just say enough, enough of this. I have to make a change and no one else can do it for me. What does it take for us to awaken, let's say, for us to become more loving and happier? Does it always need to be through challenges? It's hard for it not to be through challenges. We, the biggest part is to make the decision that that's where you want to head. And you're going to have days where you might slip back a little or you might not be where you want to be yet. Things come up that you still need to heal. But being on top of it, being aware of it and always looking to the positive and looking for the lesson in these setbacks and what we've learned along the way and focusing on love in our life. And I think that we can do it in a smoother way if we stay focused on where we want to go to. Do you believe that we all have a life purpose? I believe we do. And it's different for everyone. You know, so many times I've heard the question, why is everyone's path or near-death experience different from everyone else's? Because our lives are different from everyone else's. And we create our own experience. And that's really the point to life, I feel, is that we are all individuated so that life can experience self through every reality or every experience that there is. So we can't judge one really as good or bad. It can only be good or bad for us or serve a purpose for us or not serve a purpose for us. I never heard it this way. We read in your book and I was... Um kind of paused for a moment, individuated. I never heard that word before. That's an interesting term for life, just life itself having different experiences because life is about that, the experience, right? It is, and I think we choose. We really choose, and I think sometimes or mostly we choose on a higher level. Our soul chooses before we have an earth experience really about what we would benefit by learning in this life or experiencing in this next life we're going to and we have a map within us and that's that's what I really feel um, is important that we listen to ourselves we listen to what works for us and that's going to be different than what everyone else is doing and what everyone else tells you is best for you and we have to really stop and think what is really for me so that's why it's so important to be authentic we hear that word a lot. Just be genuine. Be you. I think if I can say this, I feel that depression is a huge thing that has happened more and more in, in the last few years. I've heard more and more of it. Uh, also anxiety. But I feel that depression really stems from a deeper level than what we think here. I mean, people get handed medication every day for this these symptoms. But I really feel that people need to explore where it's really coming from. And I think that's on a deep soul level that we get off track of where our soul would like to go. And we're never going to be happy doing that. 
And that's where this depression comes in. The depression is there to tell you, change something in your life, change something, you know, and it's not going to stop until you do, until you listen. What do you love the most about being a woman? Well, for me, I love being a mother. I loved having children. I think that was, you know, definitely one of the plans I came in to do. And I have two sons and a daughter. And it brought a lot of joy into my life, a lot of happiness. And, you know, there's now three beings out there that are wonderful people. And I feel so connected to that and contributing that to the world. So it's one of the major things people choose to do, uh, being a woman and, and um, being a mother. And I like the feminine nurturing energy that comes with that. Do you believe that some of us have chosen not to be mothers? Absolutely. I think it's not for everyone in every life. We have to go with what our soul is wanting or, or yearning for in this lifetime and, and follow that direction. There's all kinds of reasons why, you know, you may have another path. You wouldn't have time for that with the things you've chosen to do. So there's many reasons. And I think uh, we really need to listen to that. And there should be no judgment. I mean, one choice is as good as another because it works for your life. So that also leads to that idea of acceptance and surrender instead of fighting and resisting what is. That's right. That is so true. And the biggest thing we have to fight is this society that says, well, you should have this and you should be married and you should have kids and you should do this and you should have that by a certain age. And, you know, it's all laid out in this kind of generic map. And if you're not following it, people look at you like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and we have to stop doing that. We have to allow people to be who they are and, and to follow their own bliss. Because, you know, when, when you don't do that, one, number one, you're not happy with your life. And number two, it just doesn't work out. It just doesn't work for you. It doesn't work out that, you know, we have certain things we're good at because you're meant to do those things. You're not meant to do the things you're not good at. <laughs> exactly. I agree. <laughs> Can we change that plan if we made this plan to come here and do certain things? Do we also have the choice to change the path? I think I think we can possibly change the path. We could ask for things maybe to change a little, but I, I still feel that chosen from a higher place, our soul kind of had a bigger picture and knows better than, say, our ego mind or the small self that's not really aware of soul. You can choose not to follow it, but as I said, it would probably lead to a lot of unhappiness, a lot of how do I say, pushing against the flow of, of things. You would always feel you were battling life instead of enjoying it. So true. Yeah, I agree 100%. <laughs> so we do have the choice. We have free will, but we also, we have free will in many things. We didn't choose every, every decision we're going to make in our life. We chose a lot of major things, you know, perhaps uh, who you will marry or what you're good at or what general lesson you need to work on you know, is it forgiveness? Is it being in the spiritual world or being in in a work world? We, we choose all different walks of life, but um, we have to follow that because if we don't, we have the free will not to. But as I said, I think it leads to a lot of, I don't know, unnecessary tribulation in your life. So that sounds to me as if if we don't follow the soul's path, we tend to be unhappy 
So there's a connection between the soul's path and joy and inner peace. Would you say that? I think there is. I really do. What is the most challenging aspect about being a woman? Well, I think sometimes it seems options have been limited, especially in the past. Um, We're also limited usually, not always, but by strength and size and just some of the physical things that we seem limited by, you know, athletically or in some of the challenges, you know, maybe mountain climbing or different things. We, We just seem limited in our strength in a lot of ways. But I don't think today there's as many limitations as there used to be. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Well, freedom to me is really being able to experience what we would like to experience when we'd like to do it, having the ability and freedom to do that. And as much as some people think we've been free in the last many years, most people aren't. We're usually restricted here right now in 3D by money, jobs, uh, survival things, homes. And just so many responsibilities that that are limiting borders, you know, circumstances right now, the shutdown thing going on, you know, just we just aren't able to do so many things we'd like to do. And freedom is really being able to do all of those things. And speaking of the current situation, what do you think is the world's greatest need at this time? Well, greatest need is, I think, people being aware of what's really going on in the world and knowing that this is an opportunity to change things. These these hurdles we have where people are not working, there's no money coming in, they're having all these problems, but they're also given the opportunity to stay home, be with your family, think about things that you haven't had time to think about and do some inner spiritual work. And I think this is making people realize, you know what, I hated that job. I didn't like it anyways. I'm enjoying this time off. Maybe I need to change my life. So I think it's helping people make a lot of decisions and changes for their future. What is love to you? What is your idea of love? Well, love is tied into so many other things. I feel like love is allows that freedom. It's unconditional. It's about hoping for the best for everyone involved because really we all are connected. And if someone around you isn't doing well, then some part of you isn't doing well. We really have that effect on each other. And I think more than ever, people are becoming more empathic and more aware of that. And if we can help others to be happy, it allows us to be happier as well. So love is that connection, that unity, and that well-being that we can share and help others attain within our own well-being. Who is God to you? Well, to me, God God is the collective energy of all that is. To say what is God is difficult, but to me, nothing there is nothing that is not God, basically. So all of our collective consciousness put together is really the, the God that is all and everything at once. And that's a very hard thing to experience, the all at once. And that's why, you know, there's different universes, planets, people all of these things broken down into smaller increments so that that experience can be unique and everything can be experienced and changed. And I think we may all experience at some point being that all at once, temporarily, but I think it would not be satisfying. And that's why 
everything else exists because God wants to experience. God wants to enjoy and, and feel and see the beauty and create. And that's what God does through us and through everything that is. What is spirituality to you? Well, spirituality can be really anything. I think some people get it mixed up with religion. To me, religion is, I don't know, it's got a lot of dogma, a lot of rules. And to me, that's not as spiritual as it could be. There's not saying there's anything wrong with it. There's truth in, in all things and all we do. And um, But for me, spirituality is really following your own path. And that path could be nature-based. It could be just being a kind and wonderful person, doing the best you can every day. That is a spiritual path. It doesn't have to be something that's in a book. It doesn't have to be something everyone else is doing. But to be true to yourself, to me, is a spiritual path. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> what is spiritual awakening? I think spiritual awakening is really, as I said, when people get to that point when they're not happy in their life, it's usually when an awakening comes. It's when we decide there must be something more. There must be something better. Maybe there's something I'm missing. And that starts a search within the self within the being that there has to be a new awareness there has to be something else and when we call those things into our lives they show up but they don't show up until we decide we're ready for it what a mysterious and wonderful thing is to experience life isn't it deborah to be here talking about these things that's amazing it is it's wonderful and i think it's to me life is the never-ending story you know, we, we just move on and we create endlessly and it never stops. And we can contemplate it pretty much for eternity and still have explored very little of it. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. How did you become a writer and what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, There Is Love? Well, it occurred to me that perhaps my life was a little different than what I would say usual. I had the near-death death experience when I was very young. After that, I started talking to my spirit guide who showed up and I didn't know that everybody just didn't talk to some invisible being <laughs> in their head. Right. I didn't know that. <laughs> so as I got older, I realized that that was different and it didn't work when I tried to talk about it, it didn't work well in my life. So at some point, I turned it off, maybe six or seven years old, decided, okay, I'll keep this to myself. And then later, I decided that I think it's time I shared all of this so that other people that are trying to follow their path and feel different will not veer toward doing what everyone else does, that they will learn to trust the voice within them, the calling that they have out for themselves, because it's so hard to do when your whole family is looking at you like you're the strange one. <laughs> That's true. That's so true. How do we know when we are listening to the voice that's there to guide us in life? Well, we have to learn that that voice usually will make sense and it will feel different than the other voice. Often we have the battle between what our heart wants and what our head is saying is sensible <laughs> but the sensible one doesn't feel good it doesn't feel that's like yeah it makes sense on some other level but it doesn't feel right um, and often the decision that we are meant to make is the one that is a risk 
but it feels good. Mm-hmm. It feels like that's what I'm meant to do. It lights us up in some way. And that's how we know the difference. And we have to take that risk because if we don't, we'll never know. And we'll never be happy. We'll always wonder, what if? What if I had listened? That is so true. And one of the things that I hear a lot and has been my experience is the voice that says, love it all, embrace everything and love everyone as if they were you. That is such a challenge to do all the time. You know, it can be done on a lot of levels. And I think, you know, you know, there's people that are there to push your buttons and trigger certain things in you and they upset us. But ultimately, that can cause a lot of healing to happen. So we have to thank the opportunities that come along for us to grow. And, you know, sure, there's people that we're not going to get along with in life. And the best thing to do with that is be at peace with that. You know, you don't have to spend time with them necessarily. You can love them unconditionally from a distance, wish them well, but why do you need to push the point? You know, it's we're all on our own path. We all are where we are. And we have to allow everyone to be where they are and do what they need to do. And if it's something totally different than ours and, and doesn't agree with what we need to do, that shouldn't matter. So in a way, what you're saying is love anyway and trust. Yeah, because the things that might anger you, maybe that helps you make a change in your life. But it doesn't have to create a, a state of unpeace in you because that other person needs to experience what they're experiencing. And that's their journey. And they're entitled to it. And we have to allow it. And non-judgment is really the best way to have peace. Because then there's nothing to forgive if we're not judging anything as, as wrong. We are allowing it to be because overall God allows everything to be. And we have to accept that. We don't have to like it. <laughs> we don't have to love it. Yeah. <laughs> we do need to allow it. Because, you know, if I can answer another question that I did answer in my book is, I hear so often, you know, there's so many horrible things in the world, so much pain. And why does God allow this? Well, because God is life and life is like a light switch. It's either on or it's off. And for life to exist at all, it all has to exist. Every potential possibility has to exist. It doesn't mean we have to choose it. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's the difference. But we do have to have the possibility and potential of it. And otherwise, no life could exist. It's an all or nothing kind of proposition. (laughs) Talk to me for a moment about hypnosis and past life regression. My question is, what is the purpose and the importance of this kind of therapy or work? Well, for me, it's been very healing because I think we, if, if we get to a point in our spiritual development, we become very in tune with energy and Things come up for us and the life we're living, we're here to heal many things. And sometimes we get in what we feel is an overreaction to a certain situation. And even in our own mind, we think that seems extreme for what really happened here. It must be deeper than that. And often questions aren't answered in this life. We might have fears that seem unreasonable. There's no reason for it in this life. We may have certain fears certain things set us off and we don't understand it. So all these things can go back into past lives where we had trauma happen, we died in some way, um, we had certain events that may or may not have been pleasant. And if we can uncover those, it really helps to answer 
what is going on in this life? Why am I overreacting to knives? Or why am I afraid of heights? Or, you know, there's just so many things that that can be answered by by finding out and uh, make sense of this life in a better way. Do you know why most of us are afraid of knowing our past lives? I think perhaps we may be afraid that we'll experience some horrible trauma or maybe we weren't a nice person in that past life or just afraid of the unknown, I think, a lot of times. And I I found that too. But I think most people that come have come to me in the past for regressions are really at a point where they're ready for it because there's things that they need to understand that there's just no other answer for. Right. That makes sense. Is it safe? Oh, absolutely. It's totally safe. I mean, hypnosis is an everyday thing. You know, if we watch a movie or we sometimes are driving, we get into a light hypnotic state where have you ever gone through that green light and realized, I don't really remember it turning green, but here I am, you know, two blocks away. And that's really our, our subconscious taking over at that point. And we're pretty safe in those states. We just consciously are not as aware of what's going on. And our subconscious holds the answer to many things. Our subconscious is that part that doesn't sleep, that remembers everything. And that's why it's so useful in times of trauma, even in this life, where sometimes we tune out the details or the memories because they're too hard to look at. But if we go into hypnosis and bring them up, we can remember uh, many details of what uh, happened in the past and including our past life. I guess another question that comes to mind is emotional, let's say, pain that might come from that. Is that possible by remembering all these things? If there were challenging experiences, does it cause some sort of emotional distress? In my experience, it's very, very little. To me, it's more of a relief to see the past. I've seen it and it's like a bit of a movie that you're kind of watching and it's, you know, it's you and the, the feelings are very distant. The lessons are there though. And that's the important thing is that the lessons are there and the explanation is there. And that's a huge relief to understand something that maybe bothered you for, you know, many years and suddenly you have the answer. Oh, that makes so much sense now. Everything's falling into place. And it's a very much of a relief. I I instruct, you know, the clients to very much see things from a distance. And if there is pain, you're looking at it from the past in a distant point of view. And you don't need to experience every pain or trauma, but you do need to see what happens so it can be that release for you of knowing the past. That's such an interesting healing tool. The more I talk about, the more I become interested in it. And this is something that I'll probably be writing reviews about once I have experienced, because I never experienced before. Exactly. And I think for me, the, the past lives have been very healing and also explains many relationships in our lives. One of the major things about the regressions is that we realize that we have a group of soul family that we've traveled with for lifetime, many lifetimes. And in different capacities, we, we get to know these people sometimes as uh, immediate family, a parent, a sibling, a child, 
and in other lifetimes, they're a spouse or a friend or, you know, some other capacity. And it's really beautiful to see the growth in that. But it also explains many things. We, we come in with a chosen family because these are people that we have things we need to heal. And, you know, in my life here, I've had my, my brother next to me very distant relationship with him it was always very we fought we were total opposites night and day as children even um never understood each other never got along or liked the same things and several of my past lives were like oh now that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) it just explains so many dynamics of relationships within families and you realize that yes you get this new opportunity to make peace with this person in your life the question that comes to mind about spiritual awakening. Once we are awakened to love, then everything is possible. But sometimes we have to understand first in order to unconditionally love. We do. Like I said, not always easy. But if we kind of keep that at the forefront of our goals in life, that it does become easier. And we have to distance ourselves if necessary. But it doesn't stop us from wishing the best for people whether you love what they're doing or not you know and that you don't have to be in near proximity to them if that is causing a lot of problems i think eventually you get to the point where you heal enough that even the people that used to always trigger you or push all your buttons and cause trauma within you when you become healed enough the triggers no longer trigger you and they go away because you know just them doing their thing, and that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how beautiful, boy. It's kind of a sign that you're healed, and you can be around those people again and realize, oh, I am not being triggered anymore. It's just gone, you know? So when you say being guided by spirit, is that the same thing as listening to the higher self or intuition? It is. I think there's so many ways that our subconscious, higher self, spirit guides, loved ones even, we have so many ways to be helped and we just have to quiet ourselves and listen and pay attention to the little signs. You know, it's so easy for people to say, well, that's a coincidence or, you know, that's just, you know, one of those things. Uh, That feather doesn't mean anything. But it's all about the timing and the thought behind it and we get told over and over certain things you know you think about someone and they call you that's a connection that is a connection of consciousness and love and we are the creators of that i don't believe there is a such a thing as a coincidence there's only the creating and we do it consciously or unconsciously but all of those signs are there and spirit is for me they've been they won't give up easily if they think that you are asking for help because if you don't get it one way they'll give it to you another way if you don't listen to the book that lands at your feet and you don't read it they'll find another way a person will show up and give you the same message that's in that book and they will keep working with you until you go okay i'm listening (laughs) i'm gonna pay attention now yeah i got it now (laughs) enough (laughs) true so true yeah I know you have. You're a musician, too, and you wrote this uh, beautiful song, There is Love. If you want to read that, it would be amazing, too, if you choose. Yeah, so I feel all my songs were very much channeled to me. I could write them very easily, and often the music tune would come with it, which made it 
even more simple. Um, so the book is really about God being the all and we're being and us as being part of that. So it's called There is Love. I am, I am love. I am below, I am above. I am the moon, I am the sun, I am the life in everyone. I am the drop, I am the sea. I am you and you are me. And there is love, and there is love, and there is love. I am the star, I am the sky, I am the twinkle in your eye. I am the question and the answer, and the music and the dancer. I'm joyful bliss and deep despair. I'm everything and everywhere. And there is love, and there is love, and there is love. I see everything through each one's eyes. I feel your wonder and surprise. Each place you look, it's me you'll find. You're in my heart and of my mind. I'm your greatest quest and deep desire for gentle rain and raging fire. And there is love, and there is love, and there is love. I am all that's ever been. I am your secret and your dream. I'm yours and you are mine. All is sacred and divine. I am below, I am above. I am love, I am. And there is love, and there is love, and there is love. I have three more questions for you, final questions. What is another word for healing? I think healing is a lot of release, letting things go and moving moving forward. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I don't think I would. I mean, I think I lost my fear of death when I was young and had that near-death experience. And that's made all the difference. I think when we can lose that fear of the unknown and, and that we will end up losing our identity in some way, it allows, it frees you up to, to be who you are and to live your life and to not limit yourself by the fear and to try new things and to do new things and just let go. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? For me, I know that that's all there is, that I will always be in some form or other, and it's really what we make of it. Thank you so much for your beautiful presence, peaceful and genuine. It has been a healing conversation, for sure, (laughs) one of those. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, everything is listed on our website. It is called mysticmuseonline.com. Thank you so much again, Deborah, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you so much. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Deborah Christie Love and her work, please visit mysticmuseonline.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.